I've always been fascinated by the 16th chapter of Matthew because in a very short period of time, we go from Gloria, glorious recognition of Jesus as the Messiah by Peter, who is now named the Rock. And then just a few verses later, Jesus is telling them what's going to happen when they go to Jerusalem. And Peter pulls him aside and says, oh, no, this can't happen to you. And he says to Peter, who is now the Rock, get behind me, Satan. An interesting figure, St. Peter, who in fact perhaps gives me access to my own faith, life, and spirituality in Christ because I know Peter quite well. I make great professions of faith, feel very constant and so forth, and then I'll do something so stupid and so off the wall that people are looking at me like, are you crazy? Well, that's Peter. Peter is sort of my patron saint, even though I was born at St. Francis Hospital, and I love St. Francis because he was a jongleur, a kind of a fool. But Peter stands visibly as a symbol of my craziness. My flights of fancy and faith and worry and fear. And Jesus appropriately points it out that this is a human focus, not divine. We have gone through a horrible week in terms of looking at the natural disaster that's hit Texas and Houston. One of the things that amazes me is that when a disaster like this occurs, something happens that breaks down all of the barriers between individuals. The severity of getting people safe and alive was number one. And it cut across all of the wealthy, the poor, the important, the disillusioned. All of those categories were just gone because it was out of this fear of loss of life that everyone had a commonality of saving and helping one another. The sad part is that this often is one of those things that we see at a time of real crisis. On a daily basis, we don't pull ourselves together to feel that same way towards our neighbor. And so often we can put hurdles and certain categories above the willingness for us to have compassion and to be caring about our neighbor as ourself. The people of Houston had a great story to tell because Houston was where they received over 60,000 people from Katrina, housed them, took care of them, to the point where 50,000 people, it is said, remained in Houston because of the goodwill, the support, the comfort, the strength, the nurturance that they had as a result. 
One of the odd characteristics in all of this is the poor, which many of them were, when they bought houses in Houston, they couldn't afford what other people could afford. And the floods were the second time, Katrina and now Harvey, where they lost everything they had because they were in the low-lying areas. That's all they could afford. And the distinction between rich and poor plays its way out even again during a horrible time of devastation. And yet, and yet, people of Texas got together to help create a network of life-saving gifts, an incredible amount of character to make sure that people were in fact saved, housed, fed to the best of their abilities in this crisis. It's certainly a mantra or a model for us to want to be on a daily basis. And yet, when we fall into the laxity of our life, when we get caught up in what we think is right, and therefore stand apart from what is truly Christian, we find that Peter mentality going on in us again. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to have natural disasters to be able to be a Christian community, one to another, caring? And a community that cares not only with Christians, but of Islam and also of Jews and of anyone of low estate. That's supposed to be the character and the commitment of our Christian faith. And yet it takes a disaster to point this out and a disaster to see the kinds of charity and compassion and love that people have in a depth where in fact they're vulnerable. It's an incredible circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in. We're protected, I guess, because we're in California. We don't have to worry about the floods. We don't have to worry about the humidity the disease, all of those things. But it certainly should be a model to all of us that we're seeing Christ alive in our country. The compassion of Christians with one another, the caring of one another, and so on. So this leads me to ask you and myself to do some homework this week. Some intentionality in terms of our homework, should be around the Romans reading. I'm going to ask you, as I'm going to try to commit myself to reading daily this particular passage from Romans 12, 9 through 21, because it calls us to a faith of love, charity, commitment. It calls us to a faith that, in fact, allows us to address those who would be our enemies in a way of compassion and care. I ask you to consider reading every morning this particular passage. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord.
Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. It continues on with all the blessings and the nature of our faith stands together. But this week, let us take time out every day, rereading this passage from Romans and reminding us in the very beginning of our day that this is the mission of our faith. This is how we reconnect to all people, regardless of status, power, influence, regardless of being poor, impoverished, and seen as lowly class. That we have somehow a characteristic of faith that gives us the permanence to love one another always in the faith of Christ. I ask you simply to accept this as a challenge. One week, reading Romans in the morning and having your view of the day filtered through the gift of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. May we be followers of Paul's call to faith and Christ's resurrection in our lives. Amen.